everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985 Santa Claus the movie. One minute at a time. And we are on minute 15 this week. I can't believe we've made it 15 minutes into this movie already. We have to give a shout out at the top of the show to all our loyal listeners. Yes, we really thank appreciate you. it. We appreciate the reviews you've been giving us on um, iTunes, mm-hmm. and you know we're doing this for our own amusement. So we're glad there are a few dedicated Santa fans out there. I, I'm kind of wondering if, as we get closer to actual Christmas of 2020, if you know our listenership will start to go up, start I to get more feedback. So. I hope so. I know that we have gotten a comment you know, one or two in social media where people are like, isn't it a little early to be talking about Christmas? Not for us. It's never too early to talk about Christmas. (laughs) So we're happy to give you a little taste of Christmas in the middle of July. This time we're recording this. You could be in the future listening to this particular minute. Yeah. 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 It's July 2020 right now. And and, and let's face it, this is probably the most Santa you're going to get in 2020. (laughs) Let's not bring them down. We're in the middle of a Santa Claus movie. Let's move on. 2020 is the year without a Santa Claus. It's going to come true. That's that's not the right movie. We're not talking about that one yet. Maybe that'll be a bonus podcast. Maybe. You should listen to the year without a Santa Claus song, the one that Mrs. Claus sings at the beginning of the movie. It takes on a whole new meaning through the prism of 2020 and the age of COVID. Santa looks in the mirror, says he's not feeling well, and goes lay down to bed. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's another verse was like and the children they cried they thought they thought santa had died did you ever hear of that terrible year way back before you were born when santa claus took a holiday on the night before christmas morn and he slept through the day as the hours ticked away and the time was growing near And the children, they cried They thought Santa had died Every eye shed a blue Christmas tear So anyway, yeah. anyway, that'll be something to... Okay, boy. Nice side tangent there. <laughs> get a little, back. We got a little off the track. <laughs> but we are not talking about the claymation... Year Without a Santa Claus, we were talking about 1985 Santa Claus the movie. Right. Directed by Gino Schwartz and starring Dudley Moore and John Lithgow, who is a long ways in the future. He's probably not going to pop up till the end of 2021 at this point. He won't be here anytime soon. (laughs) I also have a little bit of unfinished business from minute 14. We get so carried away with Puffy and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you forgot some stuff. Yeah, if you remember back in minute 13, I was counting... All the elves, there's this long continuous shot of Santa and Anya first coming into the workshop and all the elves are jumping up and happily greeting them. And I was counting the elves that I could see that were visible, not counting the ones that came in with them, which was approximately 25, I determined. In that minute 13, I counted 23 with beards, 17 no beards, and 8 that were unclear for a total of 48 elves. Since that shot got cut off from minute 13 and continued into minute 14... I counted 11 more elves with beards and 13 more elves without beards, bringing us to a total of 72 elves, at least in the panoramic shot. If you added the 25 or so that came in, there's about 100 elves in that particular couple of minutes. That's a lot of extras. It is. It is. So that would bring us to a total of 34 with beards. And let's see... You know, that's surprisingly close. I thought 
the beards were going to win by a much larger percentage, but it seems to be an even mix of beards versus no beards for elves. So maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe just some like beards and some don't. Well, I still think the beards are a sign of age seniority. and seniority because mm-hmm. we're going to see like the mother of all elf beards coming up in a true. few minutes true and he is the elder right anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves let's put on the brakes and back up to minute 15 <laughs> that concludes my unscientific <laughs> evaluation of elf beards <laughs> okay so this minute minute 15 so minute 15 begins with dually saying come on we're still got a lot to see um and patch is still awkwardly there's an awkward pause he's going pipes Mm -hmm. santa's still looking at him like santa's starting to take a shine to patch i think yeah i think this particular scene like oh yeah like maybe we should talk about that later yeah he doesn't actually say it but the look on his face like "Hmm." later later yeah yeah later we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. but patch i don't know if he he got that because he turns to his buddies and still said And they all agree, nod their head. Mm-hmm. And then we're off to the toy tunnel for the first time. We are off to the toy tunnel. And, you know, as they're leaving, Patch is like, wait, wait. Like, Patch has to be. Right. Right next to Santa the whole time. Yeah, he's like scurrying to catch yeah. up with Santa. Yeah. Or Claus. I, I, we do this every we single do. minute. I, I, I can't wait for him to officially become Santa I so I can stop saying Oh, Santa, I mean Claus. You guys know who we're talking about. So anyway, then in the movie, it goes straight to the toy tunnel where you have this great reveal. Now these two huge, thick, heavy wooden doors are being pulled open by, what, What, at least six? six, Five or six elves on each side. They're like... At least. They're like creaking open. Okay, what do we see here? Oh, so we have, there's four ropes, it looks like. Or maybe that's a shadow. I can't tell. I think it's a shadow. I think we're seeing two okay, really so thick ropes yeah. and two two uh, lines of elves on each door, yeah. right and left side, pulling it open. So it looks like there's four here that we can see. So four elves per rope. So eight elves to open up this set of doors. Now, do you think Dooley told the clauses ahead of time what was behind those doors? Or do you think he was going for, like, the dramatic effect of this door opening and the light shines through? Well, you see, (laughs) in the book, there is something that happens between the pipes conversation and them seeing the tunnel. So would you like me to go into that? Of course. (laughs) Okay. This is new to me, guys. Um, in minute 15, we talked about it last time, so I'm not going to repeat it, but in my book, after the pipes conversation, they go to see Groot in the kitchen. So that's, so then they see Groot and they do the whole 347 elves and, you know, Anya's like, it was very good and blah, blah, blah. Then after they leave Groot... They then head back into Elf's Village, the the Elf Village's Great Central Hall, where a spiral staircase they had not climbed before led upward to an oddly oversized cottage perched like an airy in the middle of the compound. It was built of the same wood as everything around it, 
but its lines and form looked much more familiar to Claus and Anya, and it had clearly been constructed on a much larger scale. Dooley stopped before it and stood looking at them expectingly. Dooley puffed his chest with pride, because you could see him doing that, right? Your house. And then Anya's like, our house? And then they go in and they see their house for the first time. They have a small porch and opened into solid wooden doors of the house. Claus and Anya followed him inside and inside the cottage was even more pleasant and cozy than Anya had imagined. Two high-backed wooded rocking chairs sat side by side facing the living room's large fireplace. The mantle above the fireplace was decorated with small wooden animal figures and carved fir trees. Barrel-shaped storage cabinets were built into the cottage's wall. A large kitchen with a wooden table and chairs and a separate bedroom with a eater down quilt on the bed waited behind the door after the drafty one-room hut they had always lived in this seemed to both anya and claus as wonderful and spacious as a palace and then anya said oh it's sweet still hardly daring to believe that this had all been just for them and then patch is like bit drab hmm what anya asked paint it patch whispered he hid his words behind his raised hand pretending to yawn well it could use some color anya said so this kind of then leads into um how claus and anya's clothes are all drab and their cottage is all drab like void of color mm-hmm. and then I just want everybody to remember that. Their cottage is drab and their clothes are drab. For okay. a future discussion. A little foreshadowing. A little foreshadowing. Just keep that in mind. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if this scene was filmed and mm-hmm. then cut out of the final product because we do see the Claus's living quarters in the further down the road in the movie. Yep. I believe it's also on the Happy Meal box. Mm-hmm. But I imagine they didn't want two big reveals, like, right back to back. It's like, whoa, look at this amazing house. And then, like, whoa, look at this amazing tunnel full of toys. I think it would probably take some of the punch out of what Mm -hmm. we're about to see, this big reveal, these giant epic doors opening. Now, now this doesn't seem very efficient. You think every time they finish a, a load of toys, they have to round up 10 elves to pull this door open? Or do you think it propped open all the time i think it's probably just propped open for dramatic effect mm-hmm. for the clauses they uh decide to yeah. close it okay boys let's do it I let's think do so. it so um just one more thing about their house is it has a huge view out to the workshop so they can see from their house how all the elves are working oh so, so they can like oversee yes. everything that's something that they don't really show us in no. the movie nope but they can oversee everything from their house And then what happens is they're kind of looking around, you know, and then Patch moved away from Anya, making a small half-hidden motions with his hand, hissing through his teeth. And Dooley said, what? And kind of in a a mixture of concern and exasperation, like he's tired of Patch, you know? And he goes, you for, Patch says, you forgot. The old elf was really getting embarrassing, he thought to himself forgot dooley said 
You know, Patch urged, the tunnel, he whispered, the tunnel. Dooley continued to look at him with complete incomprehension, and then Patch formed the last vital clue silently with his lips and jerked his thumb to the window again. Toys, he mouthed, toys. And Dooley's eyes brightened at last, and he nodded briskly, his face reddening, huffing a bit to cover his embarrassment as he took his guests in hand once more, and he led them out the front door again and down the steps for the fi grand final, oh, sorry, for the grand finale of their tour. And then here it says the doors are so tremendously high and heavy that it took nine or ten elves pulling together just to swing them outward. When that, you, so yeah wouldn't you like to see the blueprints of the elves workshop yes and the clauses <laughs> um bedroom or living quarters mm -hmm. the toy tunnel because you they open the toy tunnel we see that later in the movie i'm sure we'll talk to you about it when we get there but that's where they load santa's sleigh mm -hmm. and then santa cuts like a left-hand turn mm -hmm. and goes out right so I'm just curious what the layout of the the entire mm -hmm. the entire building is. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. Obviously, the toy tunnel has to be close to where they make the toys. Oh yeah, that would make sense. You know, they've got to be right next to each other. Because why make them walk all the way across the place? You know, I would have them right next to each other. So anyway, the doors are creaking open. The music is about to swell. There's going to be a big reveal here. There's like a massive light coming through the crack. Boom, there it is. And Claus and Anya are both like, what? <laughs> like, they're just in awe. Like, they're they like, cannot wow. believe what I they're seeing. And this is a pretty impressive scene to see in the movie theater as yes, well. yeah. The entire theater, like, lights up mm -hmm. because of this massive light at the very end of this toy tunnel, mm -hmm. which uh, Ben and I have been <laughs> debating about <laughs> what's causing this light. At first, I thought, oh, that's the light because there's no wall there. That's mm -hmm. where the, t the reindeer would take off. But no, because the reindeer, when they load the sleigh, is facing us, the viewer, and then Santa takes a turn. Mm -hmm. So... There must be like a giant window back there for the sunlight to come in. See, I think that it's like, I think they're using it to not only light it up for this scene to give it the magical light, but I think it is lighting up the tunnel so that they can see in it. So I think it's like a giant mirror that's reflecting the light from outside into the tunnel to go around that corner. You know, that that clause that Santa leaves with his sleigh. I think there's like a giant like a reflective mirror or something there to reflect the light in so that they can see where they're putting the toys in the tunnel. That's my theory. John thinks it's a window. I think it's a mirror. So let us know what you think. <laughs> so we see these shelves just they go on forever. There is a little visual trickery here mm -hmm. to make the tunnel appear like it keeps going and going and going. Probably actually in the making of the movie, mirrors are involved in Probably, this particular yeah. scene. Mm -hmm. But just as far as the eye can see, wooden toys of all sorts. We see rocking horses. We see windmills of some sort. We think. We can't really make it all out. We'll be getting a better look in our next minute, minute 16. But in this particular minute, we just see 
toys on the ceiling, toys on every shelf. Mm -hmm. And all these toys, if you can believe it, were all hand-carved. There was a staff of carpenters here hired by the filmmakers to make these traditional-looking wooden toys. Right That's at Pine, amazing. Yeah, right at Pinewood Studios. And according to reports, all of them after filming were donated to local charities. Mm -hmm. So where are all these toys now? I think they may be just lost to the ages because... Really, sure. how how would you know you had a prop from Santa Claus the movie? Yeah, I mean, I have Googled and I have looked for toy examples online, and I can't find any anywhere. There's none on for sale on eBay. <laughs> There's none anywhere. I mean, I'm sure that the majority of them had no markings on them at all. Just the ones in specific scenes where they stamped the elf maid on the bottom would have that probably majority of them probably were didn't have any markings on them yeah it's like what would you search for like wooden plane yeah there's and you know i mean wooden toys were extremely common throughout history so how would you know you have one of these because you they'll be dull they wouldn't be bright and colorful anymore they'd be dull and broken and you know dung dung up dinged up banged up <laughs> yeah i doubt i doubt they came with like any uh certification like right. here's a certificate of authenticity this is an authentic santa claus prop no they were donated yeah. as toys probably like, get them out of here to be used by kids as toys so you know there could be all scattered all over england at mm -hmm. flea markets or whatever flea markets it. are called in england yeah you know there could be some of these still in existence but we'll never know mm-hmm Okay, this is from the production notes. Are you ready for this? In our press kit. Yep. It actually uh, goes into detail about the toys in the toy tunnel. Okay. The elaborate sets for the Magic Kingdom of the Elves and the North Pole Toy Tunnel were constructed at Pinewood. For the toy tunnel set, flanked on each side by floor-to-ceiling mountain of toys, the filmmakers recruited six outside toy and craft companies to produce at full tilt for several months exclusively for the movie. That's a lot of toy production. <laughs> I can only imagine how many toys they just shipped off to g and gave away. I mean, imagine how many kids got toys from this. And not even realize that yeah. it's from Santa Claus the movie. I mean, man, that's crazy. And it was only from 1985. You know, you, you watch this movie and you forget that this was made in 1985. These toys could still be out there easily from 1985 it's not actually from back in you know the ninth century or whatever like it's these were made 30 years 40 years ago I don't know, how old am i again <laughs> in the imdb trivia section it says all toys were handmade in pinewood studios james dalton was a carpenter on the film who also worked on the james bond films his hammer can be heard banging in one scene <laughs> so I wonder what scene we can hear the legendary hammer of James Dalton banging in. Probably I'm gonna guess in the montage of yeah, where they're all, Claus and yeah. Anya are learning and they're growing and all that. Interesting. And as for the set, including the toy tunnel and everything we see, the New York stuff later in the movie, all of it was built on Pinewood Studios, the Santa Workshop was built on one entire soundstage. 
And I actually found out who is responsible and how much it cost. Okay. The cost for just the workshop, the elf workshop that we see with all the toys, all the cuckoo clock stuff and the beds, that was uh, $2 million. The uh, production designer for the movie was Tony Pratt, who is known for a number of other movies. Okay, what else did he work on? Um, in 1981, he was production designer on Excalibur. In 1986, this title stood out to me, but it's like, it's such a terrible title for a movie. Solar Babies. Have you ever heard of Solar Babies? So anyway, I looked it up, and it's like takes place in this post-apocalyptic world where there's no water, and it's all these 80s kids, but it takes place in the future. And they're all on roller skates, and it looks like this like Mad Max-type future. It's like... Earth, 1,000 years in the future. Out of the heavens comes a mystical and powerful force. It is called Bodai. We're gonna get Bodai. Yes, we are. Armed with the power of the magical being Bodai, a young band of rebels is our only hope to conquer the forces of evil that would destroy the planet Earth. The magic. The mystery. The adventure. Solar Babies. This seems so familiar, but that title is horrible. Like, I probably saw it like when I was a kid on TBS someday or something. But it just seems so familiar. But like the sets, like looked like how eighties oh. post-apocalyptic movies looked. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, I, I think the movie probably bombed because. What do you think of when I say the name Solar Babies as one word? Solar Babies. Do you want to go see Solar Babies? The first thing that pops in my head is a documentary about solar-powered housing. <laughs> Even in the 80s, you probably think of, like, Muppet Babies or something. Yeah, <laughs> Like some really kid movie. I don't know what... I would have thought maybe, like, outer space kids that, you know... You know, because solar would be sun, so... Sun babies, so something to do with outer space is what I would think. In a post-apocalyptic future ruled by the military, a group of renegade teenage orphans find a legendary orb that can supposedly bring rain back to a dried-up Earth. Okay, so I'm really not that far off. <laughs> it was actually almost released a year to the day after Santa Claus the movie. So he must have, Tony Pratt must have, yeah, you must have jumped right from Santa yeah. to uh, Solar Babies. And another side note about Solar Babies, I know I'm taking this side <laughs> tangent on this movie that I don't even know if I've seen or not. But one of the producers was Mel Brooks, who did, oh. you know, from Blazing Saddles and Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's like, that's such an odd movie for him to be the producer of, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like maybe he just wanted to, like, stretch. Maybe. You know? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's solar babies by the minute that, uh... So... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, let's keep moving on. Yes. Back to where, back to Christmas land. <laughs> no, no, I'm still on uh, Tony Pratt. Oh, yeah. He was also production designer on a, uh... World War II drama Hope and Glory and its 2014 sequel Queen and Country, mm -hmm. which is his most recent credit. He also, in 1998, he was a production designer on The Man in the Iron Mask, the one mm -hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. I've seen and in that. 2004, on Phantom of the Opera. Okay. See, so some movies you actually heard of. Yeah, so imagine that. There's a Santa connection to some of those movies. Yeah. And going back to the end of our minute, they're just walking into the tunnel. You know, they're just starting to... Take it all in. Take it in, walk, walk in, and then the next minute, 
we'll start having dialogue again. And while the clauses are like looking mm-hmm. around at everything Mm -hmm. the elves are more like looking at the clauses like oh boy they like our work yeah especially Dooley he's like all (laughs) lit up yep yeah they're waiting for the praise you know from Claus and Anya saying that they like it you know which I think if you know you work your entire life making toys for someone particular to deliver you're gonna want that person to like what you do so I think they succeeded So we see a bit more inside the toy tunnel next week, so stay tuned for that. But that's where our particular minute cuts off. Mm -hmm. So that's going to bring another episode to an end. Anything, any final thoughts on this particular minute? I don't think so. Um, I just, I wish that they showed a little bit more of the house because the description in the book is just amazing. Like, I only read part of it. I didn't read all of it because I don't want to read the whole book to you guys. But, because you could go buy it yourself. But, um... The sounds of the house that they they move into just seems like it would be a beautiful set. And I wish we could see more of it in the movie. But, you know. How amazing would it be to actually be able to go to London to Pinewood Studios and walk through that toy tunnel? I would love it. There, you know, that would just be another thing that I would like to go to Pinewood Studios for. You know, like, there's just... There's stuff that you hear that I want to go there. We went to, we went to um, Universal Studios backlot a decade ago, and we loved that. Going around seeing different places that they film movies. I want to do that at Pinewood, and if they had this, it would be cool. Well, that, unfortunately, we're about we're about thirty. I know thirty some odd years too late. Someone hurry up and invent a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> So that's going to wrap it up. As always, if you have anything you want to tell us, let us know. You can send us an email. Nobody sent us an email yet. No. I wonder if our email address works. <laughs> SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. We also have Twitter, at Santa Minute. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. All of them are sa- at Santa Minute. And as always, you can come back each and every week and listen to a brand new episode. For free! <laughs>